Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Serie A fan. Pirlo's honeymoon hits a hitch. Ronaldo pulls him out of the ditch. Napoli play Genoa off of the pitch. And Ericsson becomes Conte's second favourite attacking midfielder. As Pats it into get off to a win, we speculate about who's going down, analyse Atalanta's title credentials, and answer your questions in this episode of Scudetto. Hello, and welcome to Scudetto. It's been a big weekend for Serie A, and it's been an even bigger weekend for Serie A nar- narrative. Here to help me unpack all of that, I've got two good friends and three good beers. So, Boaz, before we get into either football or narrative, maybe you could introduce us to the first beer. I am drinking a Lodestone Tropical IPA. It's actually uh, when my son was born back in May, the creators of this beer delivered a six-pack to the hospital as kind of a gift because I'd been following them on Facebook. So uh, that was a nice touch and the beer is great too. And then I must add that, uh, and I'm probably going to jinx it now, but ever since my son was born, Milan have never lost a game. So there you have it. Thanks for sharing the story and uh, sorry for your loss this weekend. <laughs> Ouch. And Kenny, back in Edinburgh this week, uh, what sort of local brew have you managed to pick up? Yeah, well, I mean local. I'm, uh, it's a UK beer, but it is a salt beer factory Crash American Pale Ale. Uh, I've never tried it before, and it's really, really nice. It's uh, a bit citrusy, a bit tropical. Thoroughly recommend it. Four stars plus. Possibly a 4.5. It's really nice. I'm, I'm going to buy it again, definitely. Um, well, myself, I picked up an Estonian beer this week. It's called a um, Sauna Session, and it's made by a brewery called Tanker. Actually heading over to Tallinn this weekend for what us Brits would refer to as a booze cruise. <laughs> so yeah, I've got that in preparation. It's pretty good. It's, it's quite sour. I think it's actually brewed with birch branches. Ooh la la. Right. So we promised you football and narrative. I think we're starting off with a fixture that gives us bucket loads of both of those things. Uh, Juventus 2, Roma 2. As a Roma fan, in inverted commas, I felt we really should have won this game. Dominated the ball most of the game, better chances, undone by a bit of a stupid handball. Uh, Kenny, maybe you could give us a bit of the Juve perspective. Yeah, well, um, I, I think Juve were yeah very fortunate to to, to come out of this with uh, with a point. Uh, Roma definitely had the better chances, or perhaps I should say, Jaco had uh, had the better chances. <laughs> but uh, yeah, was wasn't to be. Um, but I think important to to highlight what Pirlo said after after the game that you know this is we we do have to bear in mind that this is very much a work in progress, uh, which is how he described it. Um, this is a a team that's got a, a, quite a few new players in it, uh, new manager. They're adapting to a new system. They haven't had a preseason. This is the second competitive game 
that they've played together and i think that's i think that's fair enough really slightly slightly odd uh, looking at the uv formation at the start and seeing cuadrado left back that threw me quite a bit and uh, i i thought surely that's not the case but that turned out to be the case and it wasn't it wasn't the most successful uh, tactical tactical move that we've ever seen so you think that's more um, question of sort of sending a message than just like tactical naivety on Pirlo's part um well uh, yeah i think there is an element of uh, sending a message that he wants he wants another uh, left back doesn't he uh, alexandros out uh, out at the moment and he started with frabotta last week who i actually i think not just myself i think a lot of people thought did very very well and yeah th- th- this week he decided to start with cuadrado at left back and he really didn't look very comfortable there at all yeah okay um fair enough i mean if we're going to be hypercritical of him Maybe the substitutes that Pirlo made were slightly suspect. I know you, you said that the talking point here is the benches, but what do you mean by that? So I think actually his uh, starting lineup was a bit suspect in the sense that um, partly his fault were by playing both Rabio and McKinney, you, you kind of lack a creative midfielder. And whereas uh, Ramsey last week provided an, an incredible performance, this week he was quite anonymous. Likewise, his insistence or his decision to play Morata up front when the guy has been in Turin for a couple of days uh, was suspect at best. Um, Morata was hardly seen except for a half chance that uh, Ronaldo ended up with a kind of a bicycle kick from it. But other than that, um, I thought not only did he play probably the wrong personnel, but he also played them out of position. And when I'm talking about the bench, I think... uh, the difference between these mega teams and the slightly smaller teams in Serie A is that a team like Juventus can flex its muscle and throw on King Arthur or Bentancur, ben, sorry, and um, that will flip the game. Likewise, you have to say that uh, Ronaldo, as usual, has been essential. His goal, he won the penalty, and also his header was kind of a, another timeless uh, Ronaldo header. Yeah, it was ludicrous the way he managed to stay up there. Uh, yeah, another gravity-defying moment. And I'd like to touch on Roma a little bit because... I was just going to say on the Roma side, I thought Kumbula had a pretty good debut and, and actually they dominated the midfield even after the substitutes. So I, I really think that um, Roma had the chances, as we said, with Zeko, but also they generally, the way the game uh, started to build with uh, Rabiot's sending off, they really were in the ascendancy. And uh, only a player like Ronaldo really made the difference when Juventus seemed to be struggling a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I wanted to touch. I know we just said let's speak about Roma, so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to speak about Rabio. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to touch on the Rabio sending off. I mean, uh, I, I said to both of you guys before we started recording, absolutely accept that the penalty kick was a penalty. I absolutely accept that his uh, his second yellow was very clearly a yellow, and it was probably also a buildup of, uh, you know, potentially bookable offences that led to that. But I just can't get my head around how it seems to be the, the case that at least 50% of the time when a penalty is given, the automatic um, reaction of the referee is also to give a yellow card. And I think it was a bit harsh to give a yellow card for that and that the shot wasn't on target. And uh, I mean, penalty surely um, is punishment enough. If, if we're talking about, you know, last man fouls, being given yellow cards uh if there's a penalty then surely a situation like that is not worthy of of a booking so some question marks there i think 
Yes, particularly when you consider that the penalty on the other side was a yellow card was not given for that one. Yeah, I do think the Rabio one was a bit more egregious. So he did have his hand up. I mean, uh, who was it? Pellegrini. I, his his hand was down by his side. Ironically, the referee had not sent a player off for the last six years, so uh, Rabio really, really pushed his boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I think with the, the um, with the the Juve penalty. Also, I mean, yes, it was perhaps more dubious, as in um, there there weren't hands flying in the air. Uh, But, I mean, how long have we seen defenders approaching situations like that with their hands tucked behind their back? So maybe a little bit harsher than uh, than the penalty that Roma were awarded. But uh, I don't know. For me, I think it still is a penalty on balance. And the final touch about this game is that um, Diawara came on and this time he was hopefully on the right team sheet for Roma. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out in the coming days. Um, anyway, we've spoken about this game for probably far too long. Um, so we move on to the second featured game, uh, Inter 4, Fiorentina 3. Home team really uh, living up to the name Pazza Inter here. Uh, anyone that knows even less about Serie A than me, that's a uh, crazy Inter. So five goals in the second half, an own goal, another man of the match performance from 37-year-old Frank Ribéry. Uh, obviously, Inter did get the win, but Kenny, question for you first. Do you want to revise your prediction that they're going to win the Scudetto this season? <laughs> um, I'm going to give them a pass purely on the basis that that you know it was a, it was a makeshift defense, but yeah, it was a it was a, a, a bit of a ludicrous game. And the first goal in particular, I don't know what um, what Inter's defense was playing out there. I don't know what Kolar- what Kolarov was doing, just stopping uh, when he when he had actually two men to. To pick up, uh, but certainly, if we see a lot more of that, then I think uh, you know this was something that we saw quite a lot towards the end of last season. Um, these crazy games that Inter were involved in, last-minute winners or last-minute you know defeats. Um, if that continues to be a factor of their a factor of their game with the, the the way the teams around them have strengthened. Um, I think you have to start asking question marks even about the Champions League, let alone the the title. Yeah, I mean, if if you're a Milan fan, if you're an Atalanta fan, if you're a Napoli fan, I think you're looking at uh, Juve and you're looking at Inter and you're thinking, maybe we've got a chance this season. And uh, the the Inter performance was uh, really hot and cold. You had uh, players like uh, Lautaro scoring a fantastic goal. Then you have someone like Ericsson, who you guys know, especially how how much he can do when he's on his day. But he's kind of a mysterious object in the middle of the field for uh, Inter. Likewise, um, Brozovic, uh, Perisic, kind of anonymous throughout the game, but Inter's best bench, again, like in the Juve narrative, Inter's better bench uh, made the difference. First of all, Alexis Sanchez was thrown on and had a big part in in two of the goals, including providing the assist. But then you have guys like Nyangolan and Vidal uh, squaring up like a couple of bouncers and I'm sure that if you're a young Fiorentina side, you're going to look to the side and go, damn, these these guys are throwing on the big guns. So um, I think Conte probably got his tactics wrong, um, but the, his squad came to the rescue. Yeah, maybe we should talk about the defense as well, because um, he left Skriniar on the bench. Looks to be a bit of a mistake. Can you do, what's going on with the kind of rebuilding of this squad? What's the, What's Conte's plan? Yeah, I don't know. It seems... it's. I don't really understand what's going through Conte's mind, really. It seems that like he wants 
can't at all costs. Uh, they've decided that uh, either Brozovic or uh, Skriniar or players who are uh, you know sacrificial lambs in this uh, in this situation. And to me, you look at Inter's midfield, and as Boaz highlighted before, the the, the strength and depth that they have there. Uh, coming off the bench, uh, and they don't have that at the back. And Skriniar is a very, very good uh, defender. And to think that you know he's bringing in Darmian, color of who I actually, you know, I think probably you, uh, having followed Roma as well, Oscar, would agree he he can bring a lot. But certainly he did not have the the greatest of of games. Uh, I don't know. I think he's weakening his defense, and I don't yeah. really understand what's going on there. So no, maybe he's brought Collar off as a set piece specialist for when he sells Ericsson. <laughs> other than that, it doesn't appear to make much sense. Um, do we want to say anything about Fiorentina before we? Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely do. And before I say anything about Fiorentina, we've we've spoken about this game for a few minutes now, and we haven't mentioned man of the match, uh, Frank Ribery. I know we give him a very quick, a very quick mention at the at the beginning, but we haven't really discussed it. What a performance! Absolutely incredible. Uh, he could have had, he could should have had uh, four assists in in this game. He had two assists, in, including a. Uh, sort of through the eye of the needle through ball, taking out, I think it was like three uh, three players with one pass. Uh, just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, strange, what I'm going to say next is probably a bit uh, a bit counterintuitive, I guess, in a game that Fiorentina have scored three goals in. But I think this game actually highlights how badly Fiorentina uh, need a striker. I think I mentioned it last week. Uh, two of those goals came from midfielders, from from. Uh, Chiesa and from Castrovilli. Yeah, uh, and uh, the other one, Yescoame, got on the score sheet, but it was Bonaventura basically just putting it on a, on a plate for him. Um, anonymous is my word of the day, and uh, Kwame was anonymous. For, apart from the goal, you really didn't see him at all. Yeah, and Vlaovic as well had, had a bit of a nightmare when he came on. I mean, these guys, I think, will do well. They're good players. Uh, they're just very young, and they're they they do need they need to to strengthen up front. They supposedly are interested still in uh, Piatek now that Milik evidently has chosen the Premier League, no matter where he ends up. But that's something that they're really, really gonna you know gonna have to to strengthen. I think if they do want to achieve what they should achieve, you look at how how strong that team looks in midfield. On the wings, if they can keep hold of Chiesa as well, that's another question uh, that apparently he's, he, he's on his way out. But yeah, I think lots to talk about with Fiorentina and they they, they really probably deserved more. They probably deserved more than that, uh, than going away with no points. Ultimately, if you're an Inter fan and you win the league at the end of the season, you'll be happy with this horrible performance that uh, led to a win. And if you're a Fiorentina fan, I think you're going to be very disappointed because the the game seemed, at the very least, a draw seemed to be a done deal. Sure. Well, um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Milic, Kenny, because uh, we need to go to Napoli next, uh, who seems to be getting on just fine without him, winning 6-0 against Genoa last, uh, last night. So, Buzz, uh, how good is Osimhen? How good is the front three? If you had a quick look at the the rundown of the game, you might think that Osimhen has yet is yet to score a goal, but uh, he played a big part in this game, and uh, I think we're becoming big fans of his already. We've mentioned this a couple of times, but uh, the real star of the show for me was uh, Chucky Lozano and Mertens, who uh, Mertens got a fantastic goal, but also set up a couple of goals, and Lozano scored two goals. It's 
one of those, I, I'm always delivering the football cliches, but the football cliche is like a new buy. Uh, last year, Napoli fans didn't, definitely didn't see the best of Lozano. And this year in the first two games, he seems to be doing great. So fingers crossed. Overall, Napoli have scored eight goals in two games and lead the league right now. But uh, you have to mention that uh, Insigne got injured after about 23 minutes, and that's going to be a big question mark on their uh, team sheet going forward. But again, as we said, Ozyman maybe didn't get on the score sheet, but uh, was involved with a couple of the goals, including a delightful uh, backheel assist. Um, so I think at least up front, uh, Napoli are sorted. And... Uh, their defense with both Koulibaly and uh, Manolas, they were they seem to be uh, they, they're very solid at the back. And you have to say that Genoa had their own little uh, COVID scandal before the game kicked off with their goalkeeper Perrin out. But uh, after winning against Cotone quite convincingly last week, they we definitely didn't expect them to lose six nil in this game. No, definitely not. And like Kenny was saying earlier, Napoli fans will be quietly ambitious. They could uh, put together a run for the Scudetto as well. Uh, but maybe we can just take one listener question now. Um, as, it, as it relates to this game, we'll take the rest after the break. Noi Romo says, could Genoa get relegated? On the evidence of this performance, the answer has to be yes. Kenny, do you want to chip in on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think on the evidence of last season as well, um, and, uh, you know, given the fact that their transfer activity ha- hasn't exactly been been stellar, then yes, they absolutely could. Uh, I'm not saying they will because uh, there are plenty of other teams that look like they might struggle as well. I was expecting a lot more from Sampdoria as well, but, you know, it hasn't, hasn't gone so well. I guess we'll come to them. We'll come to them soon. Absolutely. We will come to all of the newly promoted teams after the break. First of all, just a couple of honourable mentions. I'd want to actually give a dishonourable mention to Ed and Jacko. Spoke about the Juve Roma game, and he did have a very good game. But he tried to get Chiellini sent off, where he went for on goal. <laughs> yeah, looked to have been pulled down from behind. Was appealing for the red card. Referee had his number and actually uh, gave a free kick the other way because it turned out Jacko had grabbed him and jumped on the floor. I think that has to be a booking. I don't know why he did it. He was trying to get him sent off. But he was quite clearly through on goal. <laughs> yeah, true. Anyway, dishonorable mention in my book. Uh, Buzz, you've got one for Godin? So Diego Godin's transfer to Cagliari raised a few eyebrows. Um, essentially, this guy was playing for Atletico Madrid in the Champions League final not so long ago. And uh, his move to Inter was... Uh, suppo- he was supposed to be the linchpin for their title-winning defense. He's been shipped off to Cagliari with, a little, with not much uh, fanfare. But it's got to be said that this is um, there's kind of a romantic uh, background to this move. His wife was born in Cagliari. His uh, his father-in-law essentially played for Cagliari for five years, and she, so they're very uh, linked to the area. And for him, uh, the Scudetto correspondent in uh, Euro- in Montevideo uh, told us that uh, uh, Oscar Washington Tabaritz is very keen on his players to. Um, to be playing first team football. And so this move makes sense for everyone, especially for Godin's family. And we wish him all the best over there. Good stuff. The Scudetto network expands by the week. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny, you've got an honorable mention as well. I've got one for Rocco Comiso, uh, Fiorentina's owner, who who basically has been in the the papers quite a bit uh, this week, speaking about 
plans for a new stadium in Florence, either a new stadium or very, very heavy uh, redevelopment of the Artemio Franchi, basically pretty much threatening that if if he's not allowed to to redevelop the stadium without interference at speed and at reasonable cost then you know he's not sure what's what's going to happen and i particularly enjoyed his comment uh, which was i think on the day we recorded the the last pod uh, when he first sort of started uh, piping up about about this uh, most recently, and he said, basically, Artemio Frank is not the Coliseum. <laughs> Let's keep things in perspective. Good stuff. Uh, and one more for you, Baz, a dishonorable mention this time. I've actually got a couple. First of all, um, I'd like to give a dishonorable mention to friend of the pod, friend of the pod, Pepita Higuain, who uh, made his MLS debut and managed to skyrocket the penalty and then got into a little tiff with some of the opposition players. Not the debut he was dreaming of. And the other one is to um, kind of to Udinese, let's be honest. They announced on their Facebook and their Twitter, welcome back, uh, Roberto Pereira. First of all, as if this is an incredible signing, but more to the point, he came from Watford for a million uh, euros. It's kind of the Pozzo family dealing between their own clubs again. And uh, I, I don't know about Udinese fans, but that doesn't excite me. Fair enough. Uh, That is all we've got time for in part one. We'll be back with much more in part two after this. Hello, Serie A fan. Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite listening platform, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Welcome to part two. As promised, we're going to be taking a look at how the promoted teams are getting on. We'll also discuss Milan, Atalanta and Torino. But first, it's time for us to take your questions. You've been tweeting us at hashtag AskGudetto. The first question comes in from Calcio Fanblogs, uh, who wants to know who do we all support? Kenny, you want to take that one first? Okay, I'll, I'll take it first. Uh, I'm, I'm presuming this, this question is about Italian, uh, Italian sides. Um, so uh, I, we mentioned this a little bit on the the first blog, but fully appreciate that um, being a new a new podcast, perhaps uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people are just kind of beginning to get to know us just now. Um, I grew up as an Atalanta fan. Um, I haven't been to the Atleti Azzurri or the Gewis Stadium for for a while uh, on the you know on the basis that I, I live in a different different country, uh, so I don't feel like I can call myself an Atalanta fan at the moment. Nevertheless, uh, as the Italians uh, w- would say, I'm a simpatizzante of uh, Atalanta, so uh, keep a keen eye on them. Uh, that that would be the closest that I come to, to truly supporting someone in Italy. Well, as I don't think anyone will have listened to this podcast without realizing that you're a Milan fan. But uh, why are you a Milan fan? My dad forced it upon us, but uh, we were. I was a season ticket holder for several years, and when I was living in London, I used to fly back every couple of weeks on Ryanair or EasyJet. I've seen some good times, and I've seen some bad times. Uh, I mentioned earlier that um, I'm a Plastic Roma fan, uh, like like Ronald McDonald, as, as Kenny likes to say. But yeah, it's also because of my dad. He brought me back a Batistuta shirt, which I used to wear as a kid. Uh, I guess it was around 2000 or whenever it was that he initially signed. Anyway, on to the next question. This one comes from Ricky Martin. And um, this one's for you, Buzz. What is your favorite asymmetrical starting 11 in Serie A history? Well, it's funny you you just mentioned uh, that Batistuta side with Roma because I was going to mention that I was going to say 
Capello's Roma side simply because uh, you had Vincent Candela on the left side and Cafu on the right side. And if that's not uh, asymmetry in terms of talent, then I don't know what is. Um, <laughs> also, the, the the midfield and the front three kind of all moved all over the place. Um, a lot of fantastic uh, movement. And I think that's one of the classic sides of the last uh, 50 years or so. There you go, Ricky. Um, and the last question comes in from Viola Club Israel. Um, who wants to know, will we see a recently promoted side stay in the league? And if so, who? Well, Viola Club Israel is in luck because our whole next section is dedicated to this topic. Um, I said earlier we'd be looking at how the promoted teams are getting on. Unfortunately, the answer this weekend is not very well. Uh, Spezia went down 4-1 to Sassuolo. Uh, Crotone went down 2-0 to Milan, both teams playing at home. Benevento, on the other hand, came back to beat Sampdoria 3-2 away. So... Uh, Kenny, is your answer Benevento by any chance? Yeah, I think in fairness, we we had said uh, when we did our, our deep dive into the promoted sides, it was pretty unanimous that we thought Benevento probably stood the the best chance of uh, of staying up. And on this on this week's performance, they've very much carried that team spirit that saw them runaway winners of Serie B last year, um, and they've carried that on into into this season. What a uh, what an incredible start to life in Serie A for them. Uh, 2-0 down within uh, 17 or 18, 18 minutes. Came back to, to win the game 3-2 in the sort of dying minutes. Uh, it was, yeah, really, really quite special. Uh, incredible, incredible comeback. And I also have to say, uh, shout out to Caldirola, who made his debut in Serie A at the age of 29 and got, got two goals. So, you know, that's... Quite something. Not bad for a defensive midfielder. And uh, the, the boss was uh, happy with the performance as well, wasn't he? I understand uh, his good value in the post-match interview. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I said this when we did our, our deep dive, but really, really pleased to see Inzaghi back in, in Serie A. He's, he's a man who's just, uh, just pure emotion, basically. When that winning goal went in, it was uh, rolling back the years, really, um, just running around like a, a lunatic on on the sidelines. And yeah, he, he carried that that emotion on into the, the post-match press conference where he said he, he phoned his dad because uh, him and Simone had both won on, on the same day. Just what He just wanted to say hi, really, but his dad was too choked up to to speak to him, which I thought was, <laughs> I thought that was quite nice. Um, That's a sweet touch. Yeah, on both sides, you know, the, the, the joy, but also just the, the, the sort of family bonds. And actually the family bonds carries on with uh, Benevento because uh, Roberto Insigne has been uh, in the in the press and I think it was today or possibly yesterday saying that he had gotten the phone to, to his brother Lorenzo at Napoli, who Boaz mentioned in, in part one was injured in, in that game. And apparently Lorenzo said to him, don't worry, I'll be fit for the game. Uh, for the game against you on Sunday. And he said, his, his response was something along the lines of, are you sure? Do you really have to be? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, quite, I quite enjoyed that. Lovely stuff. And they, of course, face uh, Inter Milan in the match, the rearranged match day one on Wednesday. 
Inzaghi had uh, some interesting comments about that one as well, didn't he? Kenny? Yeah, I just like the way he casually referred to it as a friendly. They were asking him to dissect the game, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, this is you know, what, what we're going to do. We're about the the greater strength of the collective. We don't have all of these superstars that other players have, and you know, this this game went really well for us. And we've got the friendly match against the Inter on Wednesday, and we hope to do well in that one too. <laughs> this is about Good a Serie A game." Indeed. So we're going to focus a little bit more on Crotone uh, when we speak about Milan um, in the next part. Um, but first, Spezia, uh, do we have a bit more hope for them? First? To be honest, no. They made they finally made their Serie A debut and um, we discussed it at length that they were playing away from home. I mean, they were playing, there was a home game, but they were playing all the way in Cesena and uh, the game just didn't go to their liking. The game, it was far too easy for Sassuolo. They were strolling around. Caputo had three goals disallowed from for millimetrical VAR decisions, and he eventually got his goal himself. But uh, you have to say Juric for Sassuolo really run the show. One positive mention is that uh, Galabinov, who we men- also mentioned, his dad was the his grandfather was the Bulgarian national manager. He got his uh, first Serie A goal since playing for Genoa a few years back. That's uh, he's one third of the way there to his total Serie A tally, so that's good. Um, and you have to men- we mentioned uh, Zoet, who was a keeper they purchased from PSV, who um, gave away a penalty and generally didn't really uh, shine. So a lot of work for Vincenzo Italiano and Spezia if they're if they're going to make more than fifteen points this season. Thanks for that. And um, all right, we'll now I'll let you speak about Milan. So um, this is my regular weekly Milan corner, but. Uh, there's not too much to say because Milan were playing Crotone, who were newly promoted and shipped four goals against uh, Genoa last week. Either way of, of mention is that uh, Tonali made his debut and he's the first player to start the game for Milan, who was born on, after the year 2000. Other than that, Frank the Tank, Kessie, was imperious in midfield. Um, last week I said he was Desai-esque, but uh, this week he took that game even to the next level. I think... Uh, on his day, there's not many midfielders in Serie A like him. There's, Milan have a slight injury crisis, or or better, a slight striker crisis. Uh, after we recorded last week, Zlatan, uh, it was, we found out that Zlatan has COVID, or rather COVID has Zlatan, as Zlatan likes to put it. Um, since then, Rebic, um, he kind of, it's not clear, but he seems to have dislocated his elbow. Uh, there's no bone breakage, but still he'll be out on, for a few weeks. Um, which leaves Milan a little bit bare up front. Having said that, they they got the job done against Crotone, who, to be fair, are not really a Serie A side right now. Uh, last week against uh, Genoa, they were overambitious going forward, and they were punished. And this this week, they seem to kind of retreat a little bit, but that meant that their strikers didn't really get much of the ball, and... Uh, and with the exception of their purchase from Ajax in central defense, they, they really looked uh, out of sorts. So a lot of work to be done for Cotone. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, okay, enjoyed, yeah. The, <laughs> enjoyed the jokes about uh, Zlatan. And I saw Zlatan joking himself that uh, COVID is dead to challenge him. Uh, but in mm-hmm. seriousness, we do wish him well. I mean, I'm not sure who else we're going to talk about every week. <laughs> <laughs> if he's Come out too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's enough about Milan. Uh, let's move on to Atalanta Torino. Uh, Kenny, I have to admit to only watching the highlights of these this game, but um, 
how good was Papu Gomez? He looked excellent in the parts I saw. Oh yeah, absolutely sensational. I don't know. I don't know how Papu continues to to do it. Really, uh, he just seems to get better and better uh, with age. Zlatan a few weeks ago talked about being like Benjamin Button, and I'm saying that at the moment Gomez is kind of challenging him for for that for that title. Yeah, slightly a fault actually for the first uh, Torino goal. He left let his uh, his runner go. Uh, eventually, all sorts of mix ups at the back for for Atalanta. But yeah, great finish for, from Belotti. But then then Papu Gomez about two minutes later made amends with a fantastic strike from about twenty five yards. Uh, just vintage vintage Gomez. Really, he's done it before. Uh, you'll see him do it again. Uh, but then two assists on top of that as well. One for uh, an absolute wonder goal that Muriel took on. And I know Boaz said when we were watching this game, what is he even thinking about taking that shot on? But the assist was was something else as well. And then another one for Hatabor afterwards. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he was he was great. He was great. And it goes beyond his involvement in the goals. He was towards the end when the game was slowing down a little bit, uh, Papu Gomez was dropping deep and doing that sort of tutto campista thing that he does. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's fantastic. He keeps on getting better and uh, run running out of superlatives for him. This was his uh, it was his 100th senior goal. Uh, I was reading today, and it came in his 200th appearance for for Atalanta. So some nice we, we talked about asymmetry before. Some nice symmetry there, I think. Nice. Nice and you have, you have to mention that uh, Ilicic is coming back soon, which is a frightening proposition for any defense playing against Atalanta in the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he was there was talk before the Torino game, actually, that he might make a squad of players uh, to, to go to Turin. They decided against that in the end. But I think not just Atalanta fans, all Serie A fans who, who have enjoyed watching Ilicic um, will just be really happy to know that he's... Uh, he seems to be coming back to strength uh, and uh, massive, uh, you know, uh, round of applause to to Atalanta as well for the way they've they've handled that. Um, obviously, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it seems like they've put absolutely no pressure on the player whatsoever. Just given him his own time and just welcomed him back into the family. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's that's nice. And we were speaking earlier about how the Scudetto could be wide open. I mean, can Atalanta uh, realistically consider themselves in contention for it? Uh, if you ask Alex Del Piero, uh, then yes. He he was on uh, Sky Sports uh, in Italy uh, the other day saying that, you know, to Juventus to, to watch out for Inter and Atalanta as the, uh, as the main contenders. Um, I think Gasparini and Gomez probably have the, the better take on this. Both of them were sort of playing down that possibility in post-match interviews after the Torino game. Basically, the, the message seems to be, look, we're going to try and replicate what we're doing, what we've been doing the last couple of seasons uh, and we'll see where we are when it comes to the end of the season. Who knows if we are in, in with a shot of the title, then we can start speaking about it then. But I think Gasparini said, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to speak about it. And another thing that Gasparini said was, if you're asking me if we're better than last year, then the answer is yes. So some tentative, tentative fighting talk. Tentative fighting talk, <laughs> exactly. And uh, we don't have time to talk about them in depth, but we should also mention uh, Lazio, who are obviously contenders for a large stretch of last season. They got off to a winning start, but have had a bit of a meagre transfer window, isn't that right, Buzz? 
Yeah, I mean, actually, as it happened there, one of their few signings, uh, Marusic, playing on the left instead of the right, uh, set up two of the goals. So that was a great debut. And also um, Akpo, Akpro came on in the, for the last 20 minutes. But overall, uh, maybe the real talking point here is how powerless Cagliari were in front of Lazio, who are kind of playing in the same way they've played last season. So um, it's not like they sprung any big surprises. Of course, Immobile got a goal as usual. Okay, good stuff. Uh, just before we wrap up, a couple of honorable mentions. Kenny, over to you. Yeah, my, so my honorable mention for this part, it should probably be be uh, tempered with a dishonorable mention for some uh, for some daria for throwing away a two goal a two goal lead in the way they did. But uh, honorable mention to them for their Candreva announcement, which was something something else. Uh, I think Serie A's uh, PR teams or social media teams are outdoing themselves with the player announcements at the moment. Uh, but for those who haven't seen it, go and check out the the announcement. It's uh, it's set in a restaurant with someone dishing out uh, dishing out. Uh, recommendations to Quagliarella who's sitting there going, eh, I'll try that. Hey, that's not bad. That's not a bad start. And he goes from dish to dish. And then at the end, Kandreva comes on the camera and kind of goes, don't worry about it. I'll think about serving you. And gives a little cheeky wink to the camera. It's it's so nearly so cringe, but it just falls on the right side of, the, of that line. And I thought it was absolutely genius. While we're speaking about Sandoya, we have, should mention that... Um... They finalized the signing of Keita, formerly of Lazio and Inter, and uh, Monaco as well. So um, hopefully they've now with Candreva, they've strengthened both wings. Speaking of former Monaco players, I think you've got a, another honourable mention for me, Baz. So um, this is a small Serie B corner, but first of all, uh, we have to mention that uh, Kevin, none other than Kevin Prince-Bonteng has rocked up to Monza. Berlusconi's experiment there continues. And uh, I think they've signed like... 10 players, they spent quite a lot of money and they're probably favorites to win the Serie B this year. And as you said, Jeremy Menez made his uh, Serie B debut and uh, got a goal. So very nice to see. Some of these guys are timeless, evidently. And unfortunately, a dishonorable mention for uh, the ground staff at Torino, Kenny. Yeah, oh my goodness. Uh, I, I don't, you, you only saw the highlights. Uh, the, I'm not sure if you picked up on it from that. But the the pitch at Torino was absolutely uh, astonishingly bad. It was cutting up like like nobody's business. Uh, I don't know if that thing was uh, suitable for horse racing, but it definitely was not fit to to play football on. I wonder what they're playing at. You think they've had a, a lot of preparation time. Uh, anyway, and now we uh, we go over to you, Buzz. Uh This is a little segment I like to call uh, "Keeping Up with the Italians." What is it? Well, basically, uh, we're going we're gonna to give you a little bit of info about the clubs that Italian teams play against, especially away. And uh, Milan are the only team playing in Europe right now. So uh, they're going to be playing Rio Ave from Portugal, who um, our Scudetto correspondent in uh, Portugal, Vivaldo Martins, shout out to him. He gave us some info about the town. It's a city north of Portugal near Porto. Um, as is almost in all Portuguese <laughs> cities, it's great to eat and drink, apparently. So, uh, and it's very windy. It's very windy in the winter. So that's <laughs> information right now. Um, after that, they're, apparently, they're quite confident to play against Milan at home, despite not having a crowd. So we look forward to that game. Yeah, uh, sounds like misplaced confidence, but we'll see how they get on. <laughs> okay, uh, that is all we've got time for on this week's Scudetto. Uh, please do. 
subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you, you get your audio. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, enjoy the football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.